once met this old Jesuit priest um, when I was at a retreat, and he is blind and very spiritually wise, uh, very versed in the, in the techniques and the wisdom of St. Ignatius Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits. And for a while, he worked in campus ministry. And there was something about this blind, old, wise priest that just made college students want to go to him and be like, tell me what God wants me to do with my life. You know, like he, he would have the answers. He, he must have some direct link up to God. And he would uh, often say no when people ask for spiritual direction because they would come thinking, I need someone to help me solve the puzzle of my life to discern what God's will is. And I'm, I just don't have the clarity. But if I have you, maybe you could guide me. And he would say, no, that's not it. And he would ask them the question, if we were to discern God's will together and to discover it without any doubt, whatever it was, would you do it? I mean, regardless of what you discovered it to be, are you prepared right here, right now, to do God's will no matter what it is? And they'd say, uh, I guess not. <laughs> you know? So is, is the problem that I don't have clarity? Or is the problem yet that I don't have a relationship with God that is so trusting that whatever he tells me, wherever he leads me, I'll follow him? That's what faith is. So that's what these students and all of us need to pray for, the grace of faith. Not so much because life is too complicated and we need someone to help us read the tea leaves of what everything means in our life. It's that, do we really believe that Christ is with me? That he's on my side? That he will make clear the next step on my path? Because there's, there's lots of voices competing in our head, in our heart, in the world for our attention and saying, like, this is the way. This is the way that will make you happy. And when we hear the voice of the shepherd saying, no, go this way, we have our doubts. Will that really make me happy? Can I trust him? Is he not trying to trap me? It's kind of a funny story, and forgive me if I've told it before, but um, this priest out in Boston told a story once that he was in an inner city parish, and um, he wanted to take the kids from the parish out to the ocean to go fishing on a boat. None of them had, had ever been on a boat or on the ocean or gone fishing. So he took a, a school bus full of these, these kids and some parents and chaperones. As soon as they got on the boat, uh, they weren't even out in the ocean yet. They were still kind of going through the, through the harbor. And uh, this kid got sick uh, from the motion sickness. And so they turned the boat back around, went back to the pier. Kid got off, and one of the moms said she would, uh, she would stay with him, um, that she knew this area. There was a boardwalk nearby with pizza places and arcades and in fact, any kids who aren't feeling well on the boat can come with me and we can go to the, the arcade. And wouldn't you know it, like all but three of the kids suddenly felt seasick because um, they wanted to go get pizza and play video games instead of go fishing. But the three kids that did stay with Father Peter and the captain of the boat had the time of their lives. They had the, like the best day of their lives. They caught a bunch of fish. They'd never done that before. They had all this personal attention from the captain and from Father Peter and uh, they were the ones getting to fight the fish and haul them into the boat and all this stuff. And when they were walking back to the bus to meet up with the rest, uh, this kid just goes, that was the best day of my life. And Father Peter said, those other kids, God bless them, they didn't know any better, but they followed the wrong voice. Like, there was cotton candy and pizza and video games in all sorts of places, and they would have plenty of that again, and they probably didn't have the best day of their lives. They probably had a pretty good day. 
but this voice that was inviting them to this adventure that day, they couldn't understand it. They didn't think that it was actually that good. They didn't trust that Father Peter had this plan for them that would would give them life. And that's what we have faith in, is Jesus who says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Do we believe him when when he says that and when he invites us to do something that doesn't immediately seem satisfying or pleasurable or even good? Remember when I was uh, in college, I was a junior or senior, and I went with a friend of mine to uh, a retreat, a vocations retreat for the Diocese of Peoria. And I was beginning to think, I had been thinking about the priesthood for a while, but fighting it and, and saying like, ah, I don't really think this is for me. Um, I've always kind of felt that I was called to marriage or to have a family, to live a normal life. I was studying biochemistry. That was going well. I had no reason to change. But still, this thing was tugging me, and I found myself at this discernment retreat for a reason. And there was adoration uh, each night of the retreat. And one of the nights, I was kneeling next to my, my friend Pete, and there was just something in me welling up that I had to lean over and whisper to him this thing that I felt and really believed. And I just said to him, Pete, I think I need to go to the seminary. And he just turns to me and he goes, right on. <laughs> and it was like, that, that was this moment of just a little bit of commitment that I had told a close friend of mine, this intimate secret. I'd never told my family, never told anyone else that I was really thinking about this, the spiritual director. But to say, like, I really think God is calling me to this. And he could then hold me accountable if I wandered and said, ah, no, actually, I don't want to do that. But no, this was an authentic call of the shepherd. Sometimes we take God for granted that he says, um, the good shepherd lays his, down, lays his life down for his sheep. But you know that a sheep is not worth the price of a human being. You know, it was actually meant to be hyperbole. What Jesus is saying is that no one in their right mind would expect a shepherd to sacrifice his life for the life of a sheep. If the wolf is coming at the flock, you know, he might try to beat it away or fight it. But if his life is in danger, who's more important, the shepherd or the sheep? You can always get more sheep. What, what God is saying is that if that's the case that a human being is more valuable than a sheep, how much more is the life of the Son of God worth more than ours? And yet he does lay his life down for his sheep. He sacrifices himself so that we may live. And that's God's love. That's the good news that we cannot take for granted, but that must impress itself on our heart so that we can have that kind of faith. But like, he's not trying to trap me. It's Satan. It's the hireling. It's the the voices of the world that are trying to lead me like the Pied Piper down a path of perdition to maybe take my money, take my energy, take my life. It's the Lord who gives his life so that I may have it more abundantly. And so I need to listen for that voice. And we will know it when we hear it. He says, my sheep hear me and my sheep know my voice. One way that you can know that it's the shepherd's voice is, does he love you? Is he willing to give himself up for you that you may live? Or is this voice accusatory, judgmental, pushing you to to get more and more things that you know ultimately won't satisfy you? Because that's the voice of the evil one. God does not have expectations of us. Sometimes when we're discerning God's will, that's what we feel. It's like, man, if I mess this up, then I'm going to disappoint him. If I don't figure out exactly what he wants me to do, then I might just like totally mess up my life and, and miss the whole point. And I might, it might get to a point where it's too late to be a saint, too late to have a meaningful life. 
But that's the liar. That's the evil one. That's the hireling. The good shepherd doesn't say like, if you do this, then you can be my sheep. If you do this, then I'll love you. No, the, the sh- good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Even though they wander, he goes and he follows them and he brings them back into the fold. God does not have expectations of us. He has desires for us. That's it. Our failing to live up to God's expectations doesn't hurt him. He doesn't need anything from you. He wants something for you. That's the fishing trip. That's the adventure. That's the vocation. Is what he wants to give you, how he wants to feed you, how he wants to lead you into the fullness of life, to green pastures. This is uh, called Good Shepherd Sunday, this fourth Sunday of Easter. We always read this reading um, where Christ says, I am the good shepherd. And it's a, a day we also pray for uh, shepherds of the church. We pray, pray for pastors, an increase in vocations to all the vocations, marriage, religious life, consecrated life, but especially to the priesthood, to pray that men would hear this call to also lay down their life for the sheep, to give up their, themselves um, in this great adventure, in this great living sacrifice of holy orders uh, that gives life to the church, but also gives life to her priests. Um, and so we pray for vocations um, from among our own families, from this Newman Center, uh, from the church here throughout the world. Um, we, you know, we pray for vocations. We, we are grateful for the vocations that God has given to the church, the, the priests maybe that have touched your lives, uh, your parish priests, me, God forbid. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think of all the priests that, that inspired me and led me to have the courage to say yes, have the faith to say yes to Jesus. Um, but then in our own lives, to always listen to that voice of the one shepherd, the one priest who gives life to his church and to follow him into all life.